The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, 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 and welcome to the 442, 442, 442 podcast. We are inside the accountant's office today <laughs> in the smallest possible recording studio to bring you this insider podcast. It's a new low. It it's a new low for the podcast. Who was it that used to come from the broom cupboard at BBC? <laughs> oh, Ed the Duck, wasn't it? Ed the Duck or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. yeah. so this is going to be full of like clunks and ar- elbow whacking. Andy's actually on Trevor's shoulders now. Yeah. <laughs> It's the uh, Comfy and Cozy podcast. And you'll probably hear Simon, the producer, giggling at all our fantastic jokes. Or, uh, or not. But, um, so, yeah, bear with us. We actually have the smallest uh, font size on the printouts as well for the script. So if you hear some paper rustling with the results, uh, that could be the reason. But look, on to all the action. Last round of the A-League uh, before the finals. Uh, the final placings on the ladders were sorted out. And uh, let's start looking back at the week's action Last week, Wellington Phoenix against Central Coast Mariners. Uh, a pretty dominant performance by, by Wellington, running out 3-0 winners. Uh, a nice uh, finish to the season going into the finals. And Paul Ifill was pretty dominant in this one, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, we said last week that you know they, they need, just needed that win at home to guarantee them a home final, guarantee them fourth place. They got that at the same time. They also um, ensured that they finished the season having lost the fewest games. Which um, mm, yeah, not sure what the odds on that would have been at the start of the season. Wellington Phoenix to have lost the fewest games in the A League, um, but they did fantastic achievement. I mean, when you look at what Ricky Herbert's done this year, um, I know Ernie Merrick got coach of the season on Monday night, but I would have, I certainly in our little head to head trip, I had, I had Ricky Herbert down because I think very few people could have taken the Phoenix to a, a fourth place home final and qualified New Zealand for the first World Cup in 28 years yeah. at the same time and doing that simultaneously. I think he's had a fantastic year. Trev, yeah. uh, thoughts on that? I mean, when you look at their attacking players, Wellington Phoenix, there's there's few teams in the league that can hold a candle to them. Well, Eugene, Eugene Daddy, again, started from the bench, only got on for the last six minutes, which is interesting. He's really been punished for that awful penalty, hasn't he? <laughs> but, I mean, it's good to have an option of a of a player like that to come off. And you just look at that team, they're just used to playing with each other throughout this season and previous seasons. Yeah. Um, we've been speaking in you know the weeks following up to this, how important it was for either Wellington or Perth to get that fourth place and get that home draw. Wellington have got it and they're now going to entertain Perth so you'd really fancy them in, in the finals there and they went away to the Gold Coast and um, won in recent weeks who, who probably what they'd have to do again if they want to go further in the finals so yeah look you never know World Cup finals and they could go as far as the grand final here I don't think yeah. they will but I mean it's not impossible you had to say As to be said they, they got a pretty easy ride of it as well I mean the Mariners didn't really look interested at all it looked like they were already on holiday pretty young team wasn't it Laurie, yeah. Laurie threw a few players in there didn't he yeah and they didn't even the even the more experienced players didn't really look up for it so I think they were just uh, happy to uh, to close the sort of chapter on a on a poor season for them well, poor end to the season for them yeah so. well the next game on the Friday was Newcastle Jets against Adelaide United and Newcastle looking to try and break some, a run of bad games and weren't able to do it against Adelaide uh, Adelaide running out 2-1 winning winners winnings 2-1 uh, winnings <laughs> uh, it's the room it's doing that it's making me uh, <laughs> uh, they they won 2-1 thanks to goals from Matthew Leckie and Fabian Barbiero uh, as soon as the pressure's off they uh, start playing alright yeah I mean wow what a a slip from form for Newcastle to start with I mean 
we've been stressing in recent weeks the importance of good forms. You go in, they've now got to go away to the Gold Coast and to get any further in the finals. And when you're at home to you know the wooden spoon winners and you still can't dig out a result, that's um, that's a big problem. But Adelaide, yeah, I mean they needed to find a little bit of form before the Asian Champions League, and it's good to see Lecky score again. It's one of the success stories of this season, isn't he, with young players? But yeah, the, I don't know what the Jets are going to do. They're really going to have to dig something out before the final start. And Michael Bridges is out, isn't he, for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean the the, the term limped into the finals could have been uh, could have been invented for Newcastle's end of the season because they really are. You know, you, you've got to say they're going in low on confidence, missing the one guy that has shown the ability to sort of be that talisman that can uh, can, can open defenses. Going to the Gold Coast, who you'd probably say were unlucky not to finish in the top two certainly in parts have played the best football so I can only really see that going one way yeah yeah. well the next game uh, on Saturday was Perth Glory against Brisbane uh, two teams obviously going in different directions and the results showed it with Perth running out 2-0 winners and if you look at the last five games if you're using that as, as a form guide Perth uh, really the form team of the finals winning four out of their last five um, they look good in that game, at least, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And again, not not dissimilar to the Wellington game the night before. Brisbane didn't really put up much resistance, and uh, it was pretty much one way traffic. Um, it, you know, again, interesting sort of end to the season for Brisbane. You know, they, they cleared out some of the uh, what they would call sort of the influences there. The question remains: is is Can Ange get the best out of that lineup that he's left with? You know, he's got mm. a lot of young players there. Van Dyke's obviously off to Adelaide. Um, whether he'll stay there after the Asian Champions League, no one seems to know. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they didn't perform well. Um, so he's got a he's got a job on his hands there because again, it's got a long long off season there. Yeah, Trevor, is it worrying that really since you know Ange has been there long enough now to have stamped some kind of authority on it, and he has done that as Andy said, getting rid of some players, but there doesn't seem to be any kind of noticeable improvement in any of the players or any of the way that they're playing. Is that, uh, you know, can we just say, well, look, it's a new season, new pre-season and, and give him next year? Or is it is it a worrying sign of things to come? I think you'd expect a, a slightly better short-term uplift than, than what he got. I suppose it is a bit of an advantage. He's got six months now to build the team he wants, but his best player is going to go and not going to come back. I'd be very surprised to see Van Dyke play at Brisbane again. I mean, what we heard is enjoying it over here, but I think he wants a little bit more money for what he's doing for a job. So I don't think he'll go back to Brisbane. He'll, he's looking for marquee status elsewhere mm. or um, possibly going over to Asia. So, yeah, I mean, the, their one true quality player who could score goals for them has gone. He's going to look to you for said this loads of times and he's got six months to see what the best of Queensland can produce for him. But I don't think he'll have masses of time at the beginning of next season to, to prove him to. Yeah, one player that is getting a, a lot of good raps up there is uh, Sorota or Sakata. He's a cracker, isn't he? He's a, uh, Sorota's been playing well. He's quite young, isn't he? But um, but doing uh, doing pretty well for him. No, he has, he, I think he won the, the youth league player of the season last year I mean we got in the lift Trev didn't we on the, after the dinner up to the after party with the raw the raw's babies oh yeah and god they look young it's like Tommy Orr Adam Sorota uh, Michael Zullo and if I'd have been on the door I wouldn't have let him in yeah that must have been a whole tub of t- hair gel just in that lift <laughs> yeah, wasn't it, yeah, it was. nice lads but god they look young yeah that's not what it used to be, football, eh? Uh, moving on uh, for the Saturday game. The last of the Saturday games was North Queensland Fury against Gold Coast United. Getting into those last two, which obviously had a bearing on the top of the uh, the league table. Gold Coast gunning for a second spot. And uh, 
failed dismally, really. We're playing against uh, North Queensland, you know, who aren't in the finals, who showed a lot of fight. Yeah, I mean, North Queensland were avoiding getting the wooden spoon. They ended up finishing seventh. Which I think is a really, really good result for Considering them. Considering you the slagged f- them for most of the well, season. Well, I, I couldn't see them finishing any higher than 10th. Yeah. So I was surprised to see them finish 7th. And they did it by a thin margin. But that's a really good final final result for them. And I think Fergie's done a good job there with that squad. Mm. Bit of a soft goal, though, from uh, from the the goal coast to concede, really, from Terry Cook, the... The X-Man United youth players seems to be what you have to say every time you say Terry Cook. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, Porter's goal was a, a really well-taken strike, but then it just looked like they, um, you know, just lost their concentration there. Yeah, the they end. just didn't didn't sort of go on and, you know, when, when Porter equalised, I thought that was it. I thought that um, I thought they'd go on and win it, you know, probably by a couple of goals, but they just didn't seem to have that in the tank to sort of kick on, whether that was the conditions, I don't know. Um, yeah, and it was a bit of a soft header. I mean, you'd hardly mm. call Terry Cook a sort of prodigious <laughs> header of the ball, but he got there in front of the defender, and uh, and I mean, it was enough to win it. So, as you say, I mean, I guess that puts a whole different. You know, it's interesting how that one goal can put a different complexion on North Queensland's finishing place and and what their first season will go down in history as. Yeah. And that might be the goal that that gets Fergie another season there and another shot at it. Yeah, had they finished dead last and. Yeah, you know, he can at least prove that. Well, look, you know, we were we were, you know we finished seventh. We were a couple of games away from getting into the finals. So, what do you think, Trev? I'll put you on the spot. The key to North Queensland Fury progressing next year or developing as a side is it another season out of uh, Robbie Robbie Fowler, or would it be you think the the continued development of David Williams possibly taking a step up? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see more from Williams. I thought he was going to be a really good player. He turned out to be a good player this season, but I expected probably a little bit more from him. I think when you look at their team, it kind of feels a little bit like Robbie Fowler and a load of A-League offcasts. You know, players that couldn't make it out of A-League teams. That was my main concern about them. I think I'd like to see some young talent come through, you know, some players that they can sort of nourish themselves, you know, like Leckie's done at Adelaide. Mm-hmm. So that would be the key, getting the right balance between, you know, the quality the experience and the youth. And I don't think they've got that at the moment. I think they look a little bit unbalanced. So, you know, like we were saying earlier, he's got six months to go go out and see what he needs now. They're going to lose Middleby. We're not sure what's going to happen with Fowler. Hopefully Fowler will do another, um, another season. But, yeah, he's, he's got time to build there. I'm just not sure how much uh, budget he's got to build there. Yeah. Final I, game? What were you going to say? No, I, just... I just think they need they need to sort out defensively. Um, the, the spine, I think the keeper, both keepers have not been strong enough. Um, you know, Passfield spent what was it three or four seasons at Sydney FC? Certainly three mm-hmm. seasons, never really broke in or pressured Bolton. Um, he's gone up there, and they've had Henderson. They've they've split the duties, and neither is really sort of convinced. I mean, Passfield's a good shot stopper um, most of the time, but it doesn't command his area well at all. Um, and I think that's cost them. They've gone behind too many times, um, and they've you know a lot of times they've come from behind to rescue points, but they've always been on that back foot. Yeah, they took a gamble on Timpano when most people could have said that he probably wouldn't play more than a handful of games. Yeah. And as it is, I think he's played zero games. You know, so you you've signed the central defender there that's not played all season. Yeah, you know, so I'm not that... sure about Bo Bush either. <sighs> I remember his debut was really good for Sydney. Um, it was at Melbourne, I think. He done really well, and I thought, you know, they've uncovered a good player here. But I don't think he's played well since. Yeah. So they might need a replacement for him too. So I think I think if they can get a, a good good solid keeper in there. And you know a couple of good central defenders that are fitting on the park because Tamboris doesn't have the best 
injury reputation either. So I no. think if they can do that, then that will go a long, long way to giving them a better platform next season. Great stuff. And then the final game of uh, the final round was the big blockbuster, Sydney against Melbourne, all at, uh, winner takes all. So if you drew, well, Melbourne took all. But um, yeah, pretty much uh, lived up to its hype, really. The, the FFA would have loved to have seen you know, like the, the top of the league being decided by the last game, and um, it was a relatively entertaining game, wasn't it? F- fair result? Yeah, I think it was. It was one of those games that, that there was there were two key moments in the game that that, that decided it, you know. And, and Melbourne could have been two 0 up, you know, in the first ten fifteen minutes. Sydney started really slowly and really edgily, and losing Corica sort of threw their shape out a little bit early on, um, and it took them a while to sort of get back in the game. And and to be honest, you know, Cruz had a good chance, Merger mm-hmm. had a chance. Um, they could have been out of sight, could have been all over, but then, you know. That was a miss kick by Carroll. Depending on who you talk to, yeah, it's either a miss kick or a great lob. But was, if uh, we look back at the rest of the season, it was probably a miss kick. He's, yeah. never, he's never hit a yeah. ball that straight before, has no. he? Maybe he should try and get it off his shin or the side of his boot every time he shoots. And that's yeah, the... and Aloisi's goal, you know, good turn on halfway, but God, did the Melbourne victory give him an easy ride? They mm. just backed off him and backed off him and backed off him to the point that he could just let the ball settle. And strike it, you know, and he's, you know, he can strike a football, you know. And interestingly, you know, he's ended up on the same amount of goals as Robbie Fowler for this season, you know. And he is the guy that has um, has won in the last two games, yeah. you know. So he's whether it changes the position, you know, the word on the street at the moment is that he's he's already uh, agreed terms or he's very close to agreeing terms with another A League team, you know. Whether that's Melbourne Heart, who I think have admitted now that they have had conversations with him, mm. or whether that might be Adelaide back to his hometown yeah, club yeah. for another season. So. Um, Melbourne will be, well, you'd like to think for, for Melbourne and Melbourne fans that Melbourne will be a different team in the finals with Musket coming back and hopefully Archie coming back from the from the bubble boot. Um, but I, I, I was just disappointed with Hernandez. It just seemed completely anonymous uh, in that game or, or you know, just didn't seem to impose himself You know, for someone who then goes on and wins a Johnny Warren medal. Yeah, I, um, I think there was a lot of pressure on him because that that was kind of the game plan, wasn't it? I mean, they were really short on players. A-League teams can't afford to have that many of their top players out because they don't have the squad size or the strength in depth to cope with it. So that Melbourne team, you know, without Archie and without Musker, and you know, that really is struggling. So, yeah, I mean, I think everyone was looking for Hernandez, like he did the previous week. Oh, can you just go out and win this for us single-handedly? But that's not easy to go to Sydney and do that. Also, let's not forget that Musker was missing not for injury. He was missing through stupidity. He was yeah. missing through flinging an elbow in Jason Cleaner's face two weeks before. Had he not done that, you know, he might have had a... you know, Well, I, I certainly can't imagine John Aloisi running 50 yards with the ball without being <laughs> yeah. without a man going to him if Musker's in the middle of that defence. So, Cruise uh, out as well now, so that's another, another yeah. big blow. I, th- I think... Um, you know, I think it's good. I think it's good for Sydney FC that, irrespective of what happens now, they know they're in the Champions League. And I think it's good because they have got owners now that are willing to go out and spend money. So I think I think it could end up being good indirectly for the whole league because I think this gives them the confidence to go out and really push the boat out and bring a, a world-class marquee um, to spearhead the Asian Champions League. The prize money in the Asian Champions mm. League this season has been has been completely overhauled, which makes it a lot more attractive. You know, and ultimately these guys are running running a business, you know, so they, they can see the prize money there um, that, that allows the marquee to go and pay for himself. So I think it'd be very interesting to see who they go out and get now, knowing that this time next year they're going to be having a, 
a shot at the Asian Champions League. Maybe we could even do something on, say, like a, a, a radio word podcast thing on who they might get. That could Maybe be a section. Could. I don't know. Maybe could we work? could pull a lot of names out of the hat. Yeah. Well, look, that's all the time we have for. Uh, that was round 27, last round of uh, the league before the finals. Uh, join us after the break as we'll be looking at um, some of the best news from the week from our website, au.442.com. See them. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. This month, we cover some of the biggest names in world football. Cristiano Ronaldo, Xavi, Edgar Davids, Christian Vieri, Carlo Ancelotti and Paul Gascoigne all feature as do Aussies Vincenzo Grella and David Carney. We also head to Merseyside to analyse why the Liverpool-Everton rivalry has developed a distinctly nasty edge over the last few years. If it's in the game, it's in 4-4-2. On sale now. Hi, I'm Matt Mackay of the Brisbane Roar and you're listening to the 4-4-2 Insider Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast. Before we get to the news, uh, got a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, we need to give a shout out to uh, a good friend of the podcast, David Ashford, who I met um, at the Sydney-Melbourne game. He listens to the podcast every week on his moped, sticks his little headphones in. Well done, David. Uh, yeah, watch the, out to the left, watch <laughs> out! Oh, oh, on the road. That, that was close, but so... Uh, good, good, on, good on you, Ash, and uh, keep on listening. But also, uh, before we get on to the news, Andy has um, some results. Uh, tell us, well, tell when us we did, what, when what we this... did our pre-season issue in the mag. We, uh, myself, you, Trev, Kevin, and Simon Hill all put down our finishing results for where we thought each team would be placed. So I did a little uh, analysis now that the uh, league table's been finished, and what I did was it, it's basically you get minus points for how far away you were from their finishing position, whether it was above or below. Yeah. So so let's say you said Perth were going to finish eighth yeah. and they finished fifth, that's minus three. Oh. If you said Sydney were going to finish fourth and they finished first, that's minus three as well because yeah. you're three okay. places away. So everyone got minus, and if you got it right, you just lost no points. So the results are in. Yeah. Trev. It's taken out the pundit title. That is a science fact. With minus twenty, Simon Hill came in second, minus twenty-two. I was third. Kevin was fourth. Oh, bull! Which leaves editor in chief, <laughs> host of the pod, definitely not true. As the worst pundit in four four two. So there we go. Worst pundit in football, I think. I was playing Obviously devil's we've, advocate. We've, we've still got uh, we've still got the Premier League to come at the end of the Premier League, which could be interesting. But yeah, so there you go. Results are in. Let's move on. I totally agree with that. You can host this bloody podcast yourself. <laughs> Go on, I'm on strike. Uh, anyway, um, thanks for that. I'm glad I really let you have the airtime for that one. That was uh, really good. Um, big news this week was that Pimba Bake has uh, picked his squad for the upcoming Asian Cup qualifier against Indonesia next month. And uh, the big news is that informed Sydney FC striker John Aloisi, who we spoke about earlier, has not been picked. And uh, green and gold call up for Perth Glory's Daniel McBreen. The uh, storyline on our website being that, that, that Pim's going for new blood over over Aloisi. Is anyone else really nervous about this game? I, I've, I've looked at this squad team, and it's this when is when you squad. actually see it in black and white and you think right. If they lose, they're out of the Asian. It's Cup. a squad built to lose the game. I reckon they're out of the Asian Cup. You know, it's like. I am really concerned about this. There's not one person in. I mean, like other than the 
you, got Wilkshire and you've got Wilkshire, Josh Milligan, Kennedy. yeah, Kennedy and North, and and even then you're looking at you're looking at Wilkshire and Kennedy who's got any chance of making the Hasn't World North Cup. North been struggling well, as well. Kalina's in there as well. Yeah. So, so you got three, three out of your eleven. Yeah, yeah. it's just saying because we should be confident that an A a best of the A League with a couple of additions should be able to beat Indonesia at home. You know, and yeah. what what is the bigger concern as well? And uh, Vinny Grella mentioned this in in your interview with him. You know, is that apparently the crowd is looking like twenty thousand again at Suncorp? Yeah. So they're going to be running out fifty thousand stadium, twenty thousand people there. Event's going to be a little bit underwhelming, and it's very clear that the public are sort of making their call now between the sort of A list Socceroos and the and the A League Roos. You know, and um, and that's a concern. You know, mm. because we could be going back to international games against Asian opposition being played in front of 10,000. Um, and that, that can only help the opposition because they're not coming to an intimidating arena. They're coming somewhere where they, they can, can walk away with results. Do we think this A-League all-star team is going to beat Indonesia? I mean, these guys haven't played with each other hardly at all in this format. And you've got Indonesia, regardless of where they're ranked, they're they're an international team who've obviously played with each other. You know their team is is a you know a solid core of people. Do, do are we are we being overly cautious, or do we really think that there could be trouble? Well, the thing is about the, the A League players are in there. They're not ones that have necessarily had cracking A League seasons. They've just had an A League season. I mean, you know, no disrespect to these players, but you know Shannon Cole, you know Scott Jamison, Stuart Masalit. David Williams, Michael Zulo, they've just had all right A-League seasons. They're yeah. not on top form going into this game. And it is a worry. I don't necessarily disagree with you going for youth over experience because we do need to blood some players. But when it's such a do-or-die game, um, it's, it's difficult to see. Because I tried to pick out what the eleven was going to be. Tried to you know put down on paper what it was. And I kind of struggled just going through the squad over and over again going, I can't think who he's going to put there. I reckon he might play Luke Wilkshire and Kalina as the two holding players because they're so important mm. in you know in his formation that he might have those two and then obviously Kennedy up front. Then that attacking three, I don't know, Brosk, or and Zulo, maybe Williams will get a nod. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, it, oh, he's going to play concern. Kennedy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Kennedy up front. Up front yeah. But, yeah. Um, you're probably going to tell me that he's retired, but one person I, because I can't remember if he has retired or not, but why, why is Kevin Muscat not in there? No, well, he would today. be the, he would be the player. You know, someone thought... with a bit of experience to hold it together, marshal the defence, especially. Um, and if the argument is that he's not going to take him to the World Cup, so it's not worth it, half the players half on this squad are not going to make this, it. This is about picking a team to draw or win a game at home to get you to a major tournament. You know? yeah. And I agree. I, was, I would have also put Aloisi in for a similar reason, for that experience, not just on, not just in the ninety minutes on the pitch, but that experience in camp. You know, and getting pe- making sure people remain focused, making sure people uh, you know take things as seriously as they need to. If, um, if there's it, a lot of people there with a look with a lot of or, or with very little experience. So there's a two tier question: If we don't win this game, and obviously we all want to win this, we all want Australia to win this game. But if we don't win this game, does it fall solely on Pim's shoulders for picking the team that he did? He or doesn't picking care. The squad? What does he care about the Asian Cup? He's not going to be here. Yeah. Now, that's one of the problems. Is I'd love to know whether he has a bonus on getting Australia to the Asian Cup, even okay. if he's not going to be the coach that takes. So then, my next because if he qu- hasn't, why why does he care? Why is he going to risk? So then, my any next of the question is: that he's going to take to the World Cup, risk getting them injured, risk you know 
pissing off their, their club coaches when he doesn't care about the age. Is he club. risking his job if he loses this? Is he on? Is he on? Uh, Thin ice for the World Cup. I th- no, I, th- I think Pim will take a team to the World Cup and he'll go afterwards. You know, well, so the Asian Cup doesn't mean anything to yeah. him, and I think we've seen that. We're criticising this squad, yeah, saying you know we're not necessarily happy with it. What are the list of the players that have been cut out that could could go? And you say Musket, but yeah. I, th- I think you know Colosimo, Milligan, North at centre back. I think we've kind of got that covered. I'm more worried about right back and left back. And then he's attacking three behind Kennedy. I don't even know who he's going to play right back and left back. He could play Wilkshire, but I think he might play him as one of the holding two. But it's it's also a FIFA date, isn't it? No, it's not. Is it That's not? the problem. That is the problem. That it's not a FIFA date. So other teams are playing friendlies as well, though, on that day, aren't they? Yeah, like, although I think it's, it's, like a, it's like a half FIFA date. So okay. the, the Wednesday night is, but the weekend before and the weekend after aren't. Okay. So... It's not one of the double dates when they can the Premier League players can leave can get back and get back. So you know, so that's why he's been able to pull some of the Asian guys here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a concern definitely. Yeah. Well, look, we're going to wish the team all the best, and obviously we'll be cheering them all on. Uh, fingers crossed uh, that we come out with the at least the draw that will see us through. But on to some other news as well. Um, Graham Arnold, the uh, new head coach of Central Coast Mariners for next season has come out and said he's very excited about his future in Gosford. Funnily enough, the interview wasn't done by Aidan. Uh, <laughs> don't know why. Uh, and he says he has great plans to uh, bring some stars back to win back the fans. He uh, says, my vision is to try and get the Central Coast Mariners back up the top. We've got quite a few players off contract and I'm looking in the next few months to bring in some good Australian-based players, potentially some Australian players based overseas to bring back home as well as a couple of really good foreigners. He's covered all his bases there. Um, I think they've got 10 players coming off contract, so he's certainly got some room to move, which, mm. um, which a lot of uh, incoming coaches in the A-League haven't had. You, too, all too often you've had a situation where a club's changed coach, but they've only got one or two spaces available, so the coach can't actually change anything. You know, and to offload a player, he's got to you know, sort of pay that money and stay within the salary cap. So... So he's certainly got the opportunity to mould his own side. Um, whether they'll still have the same sort of Mariners ethos about them, I don't know. Um, be interesting to see. But he's already started coaching. He took a session yeah. this week, apparently. So um, I think the word excited is not the word I'd use, but I am kind of looking forward to seeing how his teams play because he hasn't really had a chance to impose any kind of coaching style on any of the teams he's had since, you know, even when he was Socceroos coach. So that week in, week out, of, of coaching a team I think you know at least the proof will be in the pudding there I think fair play to him as well you know I think he's, he's taking some guts you know I think he knows what he's setting himself up for yeah. um, and he's decided to do it here he could have gone and done it in Asia slightly less uh, uh, you know less in the spotlight but he's chosen to do it here he's got a lot of room to work with in terms of player recruitment so I'm looking forward to it looking to see what sort of team he assembles and how they play what so, do you think Trev? well the Mariners have, haven't really touched their, their salary cap in the first few years, have they? So he's talking about bringing stars back. Unless there's some sort of massive extra investment of the Mariners, he's going to be on the same kind of budget that Laurie was. So who's, they've got who's money, he gonna, who's They've got gonna money, bring? the Mariners. Why they've have they never money, spent they've it just before? Chosen them to spend because Laurie's always done a job without it, and Laurie's sort of created a club in that sort of, you know, workman-like local boys, you know, and if they're going to go away from that, the money's there. They've got, you know, they've got the backing of Peter Turnbull and Kevin McCabe from Sheffield United. You know, maybe that's another area that they will look to 
to establish a firmer link with Sheffield United and maybe we'll see some of their fringe players coming over. So they're so confident in Graham Arnold that they're all of a sudden going to start digging into their pockets. I think they've got to because I don't think he would have gone there unless they were. He, you know, Graham Arnold will have gone there, I'm convinced, and said, right, I need you to back me in this, this and this area, otherwise I'm not taking it. Because mm. he's just setting himself up for a fall then. And he's, he's going to carry the can. I, I can see that ending in tears then. Because if they were running the club like that before, and now they think that Graham Arnold, with a load of money behind him, is going to get them up the top, then I don't think that's going to happen at all. He could prove me wrong, but I don't think Top so. 442 pundit, though, saying that. If yeah. it was me, people would be laughing. <laughs> I, I'll but, say it now, you know. I don't think they'll make the finals next year. <sighs> OK. Jot that one down in your yeah. little little, <laughs> pad, little pad of uh, fixtures. That's all the time we got for in that segment, but we've got some more news to get back to, including a look at uh, the UEFA Champions League. So join us after the break where we'll uh, have a look at some more of the news. Cheers. All together now. Australian football legends John Cosmina and Kevin Muscat have come together for the first time since their headline-grabbing sideline stoush nearly three years ago to become very special members of the Green and Gold Army on tour at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. With over 100 Socceroos caps between them, Cosy and Muskie will be arm-in-arm with the Green and Gold Army in South Africa and you could be there with them enjoying the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's FIFA authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australia group stage games, four additional World Cup group stage games, transfers to and from games and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. Back to 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast, straight from the janitor's cupboard this week. And uh, we rambled on so much uh, about uh, the squad for the Indonesia game that we've still got some news to talk about, so we're going to extend it into part three. And uh, lads, you were both at the Football Awards on, we uh, on Monday night. Leading from the front. Yeah. and Twitter in. Get, Trev was getting scooped, out scooped consistently by Laurie McKinnon on Twitter. We had, we had Aidan outside doing the red carpet. We had Kev at home about pulling everything together. We were on Twitter from within the awards. And it'd be like, right, and the young person, player of the year, Tommy or Trev, in the time that it took him to I'd type that out. I'd already put in young player. He'd already mm-hmm. put that in. Laurie had beaten him to it. He's, so, got, he's got quick fingers, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, so at the end of the uh, dinner, I went up and offered him a job. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I don't mean to start a room, but I think he might have known who'd won. And, it, oh, <laughs> and I think he, he might have known it, and I think he typed it, and then he just hit it as soon as it got announced. Ah. He's a competitive tweeter, isn't he? Maybe you, Maybe you should have worked out... You know, the interesting thing of those nights is like when you see players that you don't normally see. Hernandez being one, I was amazed how small he is. Mm. He looks big on the pitch, you know, like you know, wide, big, stocky. He's about an inch small, like shorter than me. He's about five foot eight, five yeah. foot nine. Whereas on the other hand, Paul Eiffel, where you think Hernandez and Eiffel, I'm saying he's about six foot, six foot one, six foot two. I'd yeah. say. Right. And I was just those little things that you just like, geez, you're way bigger or smaller than I thought. Um, so you, t- who was the best person you spoke to on the night, Trev? You, you ended up talking to a, uh, a Brazilian. 
who doesn't play football. Tell us that one. I did, yeah. I was chatting to um, Les Murray's Brazilian girlfriend of six and a half years for quite a while. It did make me laugh that Les Murray's got a Brazilian girlfriend. Just, yeah. He loves football that God, much. Yes. Yeah. He got it's all part of the authenticity. <laughs> got a, you know, a Canadian was interested. Laugh he was less. like, nah. Oh, good form. <laughs> got to be Brazilian. And, and yeah, Andy? Who, good, who, good fun it, with, uh, with Bozza and Slater. Yeah. Again. Sla- uh, Robbie Slater wasn't too happy about our... Uh, the, the story on our site where his slur had fired up the uh, the phoenix that was quite funny we yeah well we'll get to we'll that in a little bit yeah. But, yeah well there was another slur to journalists when um andrew Duranti called um robbie slater a journo so uh <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not too happy about that one we need to get back in touch but going back to the awards uh carlos hernandez uh walked off with the uh, johnny warren medal for the best player in the league voted for by the other players he got 673 votes ahead of Shane Smeltz, who got 4.31, and uh, Paul Ifill on 3.11. Ernie Merrick won the Coach of the Year. Archie Thompson, Goal of the Year, for his round that, 16 that a, effort. That was an odd one to me. At the well, time. one guy was, was like, absolutely livid, oh, wasn't yeah, he? Going around showing everyone about it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then proceeded to then like find Ben Buckley and have a crack at him. Really? Yeah, he was a guy? Old school journo. Yeah. There's um, obviously a lot of Sydney journos there, like Sydney Morning Herald and that, and Melbourne took out three awards. Yeah. So I don't think it went down too well with some of them. I mean, I, th- I thought either Hernandez's goal against, or, or the one that I had my five bucks on with Trev, didn't even make the shortlist, which was Joe Wheelhouse's. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he could do that again a thousand times and never get anywhere near it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the, the, the coach of the year one was a little bit, Confusing as well, Ernie. I mean, I suppose you know they came within one game. Is there a bit of an NZ back. bias? I mean, Paul, I feel. I mean, the thing is with that is that it's voted for by the players over over yeah, three and, different times. Yeah, and the coaches, one well, as well. And the coaches, well, the other coaches. But as, as I said earlier, I, I, for the reasons that I said, I, I thought Ricky Herbert and Olavitska would have been the yep. you know for for the turnaround in Sydney from missing the finals. For the first time to being uh, to being premiers, basically know. the same team. You know, he's yeah. not kind of recruited, doesn't he? Yeah. So he's brought in Kissel and Keller and that. Be yeah. really. And for the record, uh, the other awards: Tommy Orr won Young Player of the Year. Shane Smeltz got the Golden Boot. Um, Eugene Galakovic of Adelaide United won Goalkeeper of the Year. Sydney FC won Fair Play Award, always the one that all the teams want to get. And uh, Strebre Dilovsky won uh, Zurich Referee of the Year. Best of a bad bunch, I say. Anyway, moving on. Um, another well we talked about it a second ago the the slur that drove the Phoenix on it's come out that um, a pre-season prediction that Wellington would finish a dismal 10th in quotes has driven Phoenix towards their first A-League finals says um, Andrew Durante and uh, he said I think a certain journalist Slater so he's obviously got um, yeah, got that mixed up picked us to come a dismal 10th was his assessment of the league Mr Robbie Slater we've actually kept that little article as inspiration throughout the year um, makes you wonder how many of ours they've sort of kept and those well, I was just thinking where do we all put Wellington on our list I think a few of us might have you would, uh, you would have uh, had that on your little pad of magic couldn't you so um Wellington. Yeah, I think most of us had them finishing out of the finals. I had them in the finals, though. I think you'll find. No, you had them seventh. No, that came last. Don't try and boast about this system. Yeah, Um, but it's funny, isn't it, that 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 still in this day and age, and it happens a lot in in American sports as well. They always say, "Don't give the opposition's team anything for the bulletin board. Don't go out and talk trash because it gets pinned up on that coach's wall." And uh, you know, do, do players? 
like to use these kind of things to motivate themselves do you think you know especially when something like that comes yeah, out definitely i mean you hear it too much for the for it not to be sort of you know consistent so it's um it's part of the game it's not it's not like it's anything new you know it's like you go back to the old brian clough days and shankly days and mm. there, were, there was you know there were wind-ups and people you know going out in the press and saying things for effect you know Mourinho's a master at it using the press for his owner ferguson as well so i think it's all it's all part of the game it's all part of the fun they're, they're an easy team to attack aren't they because obviously Smeltsy got the majority of their goals the previous season they'd lost him you could have just gone well they're just going to fall away now but because ricky recruited well it wasn't the case do you have a little um sheet on your desk trev when i slur you does it spur you on to, sh- to be a sheet would it would no be. probably be a, a volume minor book war and peace but does that spur you on to do better work Obviously not, because when I do, it's still the same. Yeah, yeah. more of a duck's bat, but a different <laughs> breed, aren't I? <laughs> and the final bit of news is um, a rather strange photograph of um, current Sydney FC keeper uh, going into the final series wearing a Melbourne Heart T-shirt. You, you brought it. I hadn't thought about it, I but it was yeah, disgusting. I was just thinking, you know, that was well. I mean, it has happened a couple of times in England during the Paul Ince one. Leaving West Ham to Man United, and, and as Trev said, off you know, as a West Ham fan, they've still not forgiven him since. I just didn't see the point of it. I thought Melbourne Heart had been going about things really well, um, and if that would have been me, if I'd have been Clint Bolton, I would have refused to have been photographed in the shirt until I'd played my last game for Sydney FC. I think it's disrespectful to the club, it's disrespectful to the fans, you know. And he's he's going to run out there a week on Sunday and expect. 30,000, 40,000 people to be behind him. And I think a lot of people will, will think he's blotted his copybook there yeah. for the sake of a couple of weeks, you know. A fair enough announce that he'll be going at the end of the season. That seems to be as odd as it seems to us. That seems to be the way Australian sport goes, be that NRL, whatever, that these announcements always come out early, um, which seems odd to me because you're always then sort of wondering how fans will react. But to be pictured in the shirt, you know, I thought that was pretty bad form, to be honest. Have you forgiven Paul Ince? Uh, yeah, I did actually because I'm, I'm, you know, West Ham. Gov. Gov, Gov, yeah, Gov. you know what West Ham fans are like? They're completely overreact. Like Frank Lampard left in there, they're always having a go at him. Like they should just get over it. Like it's not not the end of the world, is it? It's just really unnecessary. This this heart thing, though, isn't it? Mm. There's no need. To, that photo is not completely necessary. But it's interesting that Hart are obviously doing their their A League, not A League rejects, but their A League players signing them up. You know, Heffernan and Thompson and Hoffman and Sarkis and talking about Aloisi and Bolton as well now I'd be interested to see what they add to it from Europe because that was their big thing when they came out wasn't it we're going to yeah. be getting the best from Europe so obviously they've got six months to get them together they're just getting these guys while they can But and I, I can understand it from Melbourne Hearts perspective you know they're trying to get the maximum bang for their PR buck you know and so you know, there's no, you know, for them they wouldn't want to leave it until after the finals are finished because all the media mainstream media is then going to be focused on the other codes mm. so but you know ultimately Clint Bolton could have said Yes, you can release it. Yes, I'll talk about it. But I'm not being pictured in the shirt until I've yeah. played my last game for Sydney FC, and that's the way it should have gone. Definitely, definitely. Oh, uh, that—that's uh, most of the news. But there's been um, some uh, big football over the last couple of days with the UEFA Champions League uh, round of 16 kicking back in, and uh, they seem to be spreading it out thinner and thinner as uh, Mich- Michel Platini. It's, it's uh, more money, more ratings. They'll be doing one game a week soon. It'll run for 50 weeks. (laughs) So they've had half of the first leg of round of 16 games. The second half is uh, next week. 
uh, on uh, Wednesday morning, AC Milan 2, Manchester United 3, and uh, Leon 1, Real Madrid nil, as the uh, SBS commentator on the website like to call them, Madrid, Madrid. Um, big up to the proper pronunciation on that. And then overnight, Bayern Munich 2, Fiorentina 1, and Porto 2, Arsenal 1. Um, you finally got the job as that guy ring. Yeah. I know, it's great. 4 5 4 <laughs> five, five. James Alexander Gordon. Yes, that's me. Um, guys, any anything really stand out for you in, in over those four games? A good, good win for Man United. You know, um, again, Rooney, two more goals. I think that's 25 for the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he has really sort of blossomed. Well, he was a great player before, but I think... The Ronaldo's departure to Madrid has allowed Rooney to become the main man there, and it's and he's certainly lived up to that. I mean, uh, yeah, I think every England fan will just be hoping that he can remain fit and and in this form going into the World Cup because at the moment you'd probably say he's he's the best player in the world. You know, um, Milan's defence, you know, I mean, not great. I mean, Rooney's not the most prolific player in the air, although he can. He can hear the ball and, and the marking and, and the, so the, the three headers he got. Mm, yeah. But apparently what was interesting was seeing Rooney sort of almost stepping up into that Roy Keane mould where apparently it was Rooney that gave the players a complete rollicking in the dressing room at half-time yeah. to say, you know, what are we doing? And he singled out apparently Fletcher and Nanny and said, right, you're not pulling your weight, you're not doing your job, we've got to sort this out. And um, and went out there and then scored two goals in the second half himself. Well, he had a woeful first hour and then yeah. sort of exploded into life and saved the game. Special mention for Paul Scholes' goal, though. Yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen it, like ball, ball comes in from the right, he swings with his right foot, completely misses it, but it hits his standing left foot and just trickles past the keeper and he was gutted, the keeper. And then Scholes wheels Scholes off. tried like, to sort yeah. of claim it. Didn't <laughs> he, he meant it, yeah. And then, um, obviously, I think we need to also have special uh, mention for the Arsenal goalkeeper, oh Fabianski. God. Fantastic performance yesterday. Uh, did you see what he did? No, I haven't oh. seen the goals yet. I was, uh, Classic. Comedy goalkeeping. Comedy goalkeeping, order. yeah. Uh, a cross in and he just kind of palmed it into his own net and then completely forgot the um, back pass rule. And uh, Sol Campbell was running back with the ball and he just picked it up. Um, referee gave a free kick. He looked a little bit flummoxed. Sol Campbell had his back to the keeper like looking like, what did you just do? And they took a quick free kick, put it to the side, and the, the Porto knocked it into an open net. So, um, yeah. That's a problem position for that Arsenal because Almunia is not... Seaman's gone, really. Yeah, mm. Almunia is sort of flattered to deceive a bit. He goes through good patches, but then goes through really bad patches. And... Um, they haven't got the tallest defence. You know, Vermaelen's a, a, a good player, but not. I think he's, you know, he's under six foot. Yeah. And Arsenal, more than any other team, I think, need a commanding keeper. And they haven't had that really since Lehman, I'd say, mm. since Lehman left. But that's not a bad result for them. They got the away goal. Um, they'll still go back to the Emirates, I'd say, favourites. Yeah. Madrid, similarly, one nil defeat at Lyon. Um, although that's probably a bad result because Leon aren't, aren't really haven't really been really playing as, they? as yeah. well as they have done. I mean, they dominated the French league for probably seven or eight years, and they're not doing that anymore. Um, so Madrid, but again, you'd say Madrid will be favourite to turn that around. And Bayern looked uh, pretty good going forward, uh, as you said, Benjamin Button, Iron Robin, the oldest looking twenty three or twenty four year old. Believe you can it, ever, every time I look at him, ever find. Benjamin Button. I think he's in his thirties. <laughs> yeah, really yeah. Not, is he? Um, but um, they look pretty good with Ribery and uh, got a goal at the death. Yeah. Uh, to to beat Fiorentina. Yeah, you, I think 
out of those sets of results, you wouldn't say it's a bad result for any of the away teams because. Yeah. Um, but mind you, Ribery will probably have left by the time they play the second leg. Mm. Or there'll be at the, least. They won't be playing the second leg until September or something. So. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's all we got time for in this section. That was the UEFA Champions League. Uh, but we have finals of our own to talk about after the break as we uh, break down the matchups for this week's first round of finals games. So join us then. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. This month, we cover some of the biggest names in world football. Cristiano Ronaldo, Xavi, Edgar Davids, Christian Vieri, Carlo Ancelotti and Paul Gascoigne all feature as do Aussies Vincenzo Grella and David Carney. We also head to Merseyside to analyse why the Liverpool-Everton rivalry has developed a distinctly nasty edge over the last few years. If it's in the game, it's in 4-4-2. On sale now. Hello. Hello. I'm here on Blyberg, the coach of Gorgas United. That's okay? What? I can't see it. And you are what? <laughs> Listening to the 442. Insider. Insider, what is this? Podcast. Welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast. And it's finals time, kids. How exciting. All that boring uh, round by round, teams playing each other all the time stuff is now finished. And we're into the finals. And uh, today, isn't it? Today sees the uh, the first game. So we better hope we get this podcast up in time for you to listen now to it. Now we've got to. Yeah, now you've got to do <laughs> yeah, it, Trev. Yeah, um, and that sees Melbourne victory against Sydney FC at Etihad Stadium. 7.30 kickoff. And uh, Sydney go into the uh, final series with the lowest average goals against per match record for a Hyundai A-League home and away season. Uh, conceding just 23 in 27 games. That's an A-League low. But I found this fact staggering. Come on. This fact is staggering. Melbourne Victory have never lost a finals game to date. And every finals game they've played has been against Adelaide. What? This is what it's saying here in this... uh, in this fact, I think you just blew Andy's mind then. <laughs> so if, yeah, well, it would be, yeah, because yeah. they were home yeah. and away. Do you like that one? Do you like that one? And they won, went through. Yeah, and yeah. their goals for and against in the finals is a stunning 15 scored and one conceded. But so, how do we see we go? With well, the, can you fight against history? Can you fight against facts, Trevor? Well, <laughs> yeah, but they're playing a decent Sydney t- team this time rather yeah. than a choking out a team they either. own. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what they do. We were saying last week about um, having a midweek game because I think that always ups the atmosphere. So that'll be an advantage for them. Musket back. Just worried about how Melbourne are going to score, really, and that they've got to and they've got to keep it tight. And if I could probably guess, I think Melbourne still might edge them out, but it'd be one nil or two one or something like that. But yeah, they need to get some strikers back. Is it away goals? Well, interestingly enough, I've just given a heads up by someone that, um, that it's not. That I'm just I've just emailed Kevin and Aiden to get onto it. Apparently, it was alluded to on Fox Sports FC that um, that it's not away goals, and that has definitely changed because it was. I mean, I'm sure the Melbourne fans will just add to the it'll add to the conspiracy that the FFA are trying to conspire that Sydney will make the final. But mm. um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure whether that does play into to either team's hands you know but it, it is another decision that's been made with no formal communication and we've not been told about that and yeah. it is a change to the rules you know yeah. 
Um, so it's an interesting one. Um, I think the thing is that for all those goals that, that Melbourne have scored in finals previously, the, the key stat is they haven't scored in three games against Sydney this season. And that's the thing that they've got to change. You know, And as Trev said, not sure they've got the firepower to do that. And it's almost like Sydney seemed to have coped with Hernandez by not doing anything specifically to cope with Hernandez. Um, he just hasn't performed in the three games, whether you'd say that he's due a performance tonight. Um, and that's the thing with Hernandez, you know, two two set pieces, two dead balls, he could score twice. You know, so I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a good game. And I think for Melbourne, I think even though they've still got the injury problems, I think they will be glad that the game's come around as quickly as it has. Yeah. Whereas I think Sydney might have preferred a little bit of a break just to get that. Whereas Melbourne will be itching to, to avenge sort of Sunday, Muskets back, he'll have been revving them up. Yeah. The McFlynn, Cruz, you know, that will give them, you know, we're talking about motivation for players, you know. There'll be some, I think there'll be a few tasty tackles early doors tonight, definitely. Mm. I think yeah. McFlynn will, will be ready for, uh, for a bit trouble. of targeting. <laughs> and what do you think? Like Trev said, he reckons um, a, a single a goal, a draw? I, I've, I've actually backed one all. So I think, I think it'll be one all. I think it'll come back perfectly poised. Perfectly poised if there's no away goals. So. Yeah. Great maybe stuff. maybe the FFA are trying to manufacture a penalty shootout. Who knows? There you go. Um, match B, which is three versus six, being played on uh, Saturday, um, an eight pm kickoff Eastern time, seven pm local, up at Skilled Park. It's Gold Coast United against uh, Newcastle Jets. No other debutant team has reached a national grand final. Um, other than obviously the, the first season, yeah, the first season of the A League and the first season of the NSL when uh, that was finally brought in, but um, yeah, no other debutant team has made a grand final, and Newcastle Jest, uh, Jets of uh, what did I say? Jets. Newcastle Jets. Yeah. Newcastle Jets. They've been playing the last couple of <laughs> yeah. weeks. But, yeah, um, they've lost four of their last uh, of their previous matches, so um, no other no other current A League team has ever lost five on the trot. So they'll be trying to battle against history. Um, how do we see this one going? I mean, form and you know, season for, would would say Gold Coast, but yeah, you know, I think Newcastle need without Bridges as the focal point. I think Newcastle need their other senior players. They need a massive performance from Matt Thompson with, with what could be his last game, mm-hmm. and I think they need a massive performance from uh, from the central defence from Milicevic. He's got to keep Smelts um, tidy. Uh, and away from goal, um, but I, I mean I, I find it difficult to back against Gold Coast for this game, Trev. And yeah, yeah, you'd have to say Gold Coast. I mean, Jets haven't done too bad against Gold Coast. Bridges being out is my main concern because I can't see where that's going to come from. Got to go away there, do or die match. Gold Coast got so much quality. Yeah, it'd be strange to see any other result. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't say obviously that while the uh, Melbourne Sydney is a two-leg game, these next two, including the game Gold Coast against Newcastle. Is, is a do or die winner, and that, you know, and that, winner goes through that's the one thing that the, the Jets have got going for them is that you know there will be a bit of nerves from the Gold Coast you know and if the Jets can go there and give it a good shake early on and potentially nick a goal then that sort of fear and sort of nervousness could creep in whereas if you know over two legs you know, the over two legs generally the form side and the dominant side should win through but you know one game and 90 minutes as we saw with Phoenix going there and winning mm. last, last week no, so there will be that element of doubt on the Gold Coast mind. So scores on the doors? Uh, I reckon it would be 2-0 or 3-0 Gold Coast. Okay. And you, Andy? Uh, I'm going to go 3-1 Gold Coast. Okay. 
So Gold Coast going through on there uh, unanimously. And the uh, final game, which is Match C, Natalie named Match C. Four versus five, Wellington Phoenix against Perth Glory at Westpac Stadium. It's a five o'clock local kickoff, but three o'clock um, Eastern Standard Time. After 10 years of trying, Wellington Phoenix are the first New Zealand-based team to reach a National Football League final series. Uh, and prior to this season, the New Zealand-based team has finished in the top half of the ladder just once. And that was the Football Kings of 99-2000. Uh, and as we said before, uh, Perth are the form team going into these A-League uh, finals, having lost uh, just one of their last five games. And interest. this is the other fact that will just blow you away, guys. Mm-hmm. No current Perth Glory player has had any experience in a final series match. Did you know that? I didn't know that. No. That's a stand. That must have taken you ages to find that out. Do you go it, through all I, the old matches? I went through every single match and looked and cross-referenced all the players. Mm. Yeah, it, it took ages. But I, I can tell you a stun to silence. But guys, bring it back into the room <laughs> and tell me how you see this one going. Um, well, it should be a Wellington victory. Blot have been saying all season about the home form of Wellington yep. and the away form of Perth. I think it would be slightly closer than that because Perth are on a, a reasonable run of form. It is do or die now. They could go there and, and pick up a result potentially. I think, you know, to be on the safe side, I'd still say that Phoenix will edge them out. But, you know, I, that could be one that... I mean, this is extra time and pennies it'll go to. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got the, the, the possibility of extra time to go through. I was going to say that. I've, I've got mm. a feeling it's going to go penalties. Oh, I'd love, I love penalties as well if I'm watching a game neutral like that. 2-2, I, two, two, I think. 2-2. Two, two. I think there'll be goals in it because um, I, I, I don't think Phoenix can really play in any other way and they'll they'll play the two or three attacking players. Um, Glory, I think, as well, I think will go there and you know they've got to go there and score. A few um, players out though, haven't they? Glory, I think. Yeah, although I think there's a couple coming back. I think Stajowski's back. So, um, so yeah, I, I've got a feeling that could be two all and uh, and penalties. Eugene Daddy scoring the winning penalty in the shootout. Oh. Do not let him hear a penalty. <laughs> I mean, Ricky might sub him before the penalties. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, that's the uh, that's the finals round for uh, the weekend of football. Should be enjoyable and uh, some good games to look forward to. So that's all the time we got for in this. Uh, Small enclosed uh, loving of a podcast. Uh, I'll see you in a month. I'm off for a month now. I'm off for two weeks. Oh, so am I. So we might have to <laughs> we might have to close down the podcast. Simon, you're uh, stepping up. So Simon and Simon and Ash. If Ash can come in on his moped and do the uh, uh, do the podcast, uh, yeah, we'll we'll work out what we're doing, guys, and get back to you on that. But hope you enjoyed this one, and uh, we'll speak very soon. Cheers. Four Four Two Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services. Thank you.